Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to uh, the Whiskey Jedi Podcast here. I'm Jake Berlin, your host for this uh, Star Wars and Whiskey-fused podcast I have here going on on the channel. Um, thank you so much for, for coming by, stopping by. I'm very excited about today's episode. Um, if you have not joined the episode or the, the show before, excuse me, uh, what I do here is I talk a lot of Star Wars and uh, I drink whiskey while doing it. Um, I highlight a bunch of whiskeys each every each and every episode. And uh, today I got a good one. I got a really, really cool one that um, I have not done a version of this whiskey on the show yet. Uh, and that is all thanks to my guest, Mr. Maxwell Haddad, uh, who will be joining me in just a quick second. Um, but yes, uh, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, again, if you have not uh, been by the show before, uh, what I do is I basically take a topic and we break it down. We discuss it. It can be anywhere from a news story to a picked selected topic like we have today. Uh, it can be hypothetical. It can be, you know, real world. It can be anything in the, in the vein of star Wars. Um, I don't limit it to anything specific. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what I do. I just, I want to talk star Wars with my friends in a, in a very positive, lighthearted manner. Um, and I have a lot of friends who are star Wars fans, but I also have a lot of fans who are whiskey fans, uh, which is a big deal for me. So, um, with that all said, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my guest. Um, I have been, I've gotten the pleasure to know him over the last, uh, a year or so through the Schmodown community, um, certain podcasts, stuff like that. And it's, it's been a blast and now it's him and I finally on a show together. Um, and that is Mr. Maxwell Haddad. What's up, man? Hey man, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, honestly, I'm still recovering from last night a little bit. Uh, you know, we had our big one-year anniversary stream over at the Pajukin, and it went long, and there was a lot of alcohol. So it was a rough morning and afternoon, but I feel pretty good now, and I am ready to talk Star Wars and whiskey, two of my all-time favorite topics. It's like the perfect blend, pun intended. Yeah, no. Uh, I, look, that what you guys were able to accomplish over the last year and what you guys did last night was awesome. I know a lot of people who are watching this watched it. Um, yeah. And I'm glad you're awake and ready and ready to dive into some Star I'm Wars. So, I am so ready. I got my Whiskey Jedi shirt oh, look on. Look at that. Look at uh, that. And, and this it. is my way of saying that if anyone ever tells you, don't wear a shirt of the band you're going to see, ignore it. If you're going to see a band you love, <laughs> wear the shirt, wear the hat, show that you love it. I'm a Whiskey Jedi fan. I'm a Jake Berlin fan. So I got to rock that merch. Thank you. I, I greatly <clears throat> appreciate that. Yeah, if, if you guys are interested... Um, I don't know if it's up at the moment because actually Lucasfilm and Disney keeps striking it. I'll put it back up on the T Public page. It's it's available where the POV stuff is available. Um, if you're interested, you don't have to, but just if you're interested. Um, all right, Maxwell. Well, I, the way it works on my show is I allow the guests to essentially pick the topic, pick the whiskey. Um, let's start with the Star Wars topic we have okay. today, and it's a good one um, that I love, and I know that you love very much as well. What are we doing today, man? Yeah, so, you know, when you asked me to be on the show, my mind started going crazy thinking about what I thought would be fun and unique to talk about with Star Wars. Um, and I was like, well, to me, one of the defining things of Star Wars is its music. Uh, you know, if I were to make a list of the greatest film scores of all time, or and television, you know, now that they've gone into animated and Mandalorian, the music of Star Wars stands out. And I'm a huge film score guy. Like, I think the three genres of music I listen to the most are like, pop punk slash emo uh film scores and then musical theater yeah so like and when my wife picks up my phone to look through my itunes or spotify she's like where's the real music i don't want to <laughs> listen to this score i'm like this is real music yeah yeah uh yeah so uh and then you know for structure purposes i was like well why don't we pick our 10 favorite tracks which uh spoiler alert has ended up being 12 because i couldn't cut <laughs> Yeah, I'm and I'm happy that I'm very, very happy that you messaged me. He's like, dude, I can't, I can't get to ten. 
I just can't get to 10. <laughs> Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Yeah, so 12 is perfect, but we're going to run down the list, um, and we'll do a couple, and then uh, we'll get to the whiskey part of this, because this is a whiskey that I'm very excited to talk about. I'm yeah. very excited to talk about. Um, just a teaser, I've never done a Japanese whiskey on this show, um, and I was very, very happy that Maxwell decided to do this with me, so uh, we will do that here in just a little bit, but let's start with these tracks, because we do have 12 each to get through, and I will allow you to go first, sir. Um what came in at the very last spot at number 12 for Star Wars tracks? Okay, so uh, some people may immediately scoff that I have this at 12, <laughs> but uh, it is the Cantina Band track from nice. Star Wars, A nice. New Hope, if you are so inclined. Um, you know, this track is so different than the majority of the rest of the music we're talking about today, but it's iconic. I think if it plays, you immediately know it's Star Wars. You can immediately visualize the scene and the band at Most Eisley Cantina. Uh, it's brassy and fun, and I, I love when John Williams, you know, experiments with other styles a little bit, um, which is why, as an aside, I'm such a fan of his Catch Me If You Can yeah. score, because it felt like he was playing in this jazzy uh, idiom, which I think Cantina Band is. Uh, it's a track you could, like, dance to, party to. There's so many great remixes of it, like Trance or House <laughs> or EDM remixes. It just makes me happy, and, and it's it's a great track. Yeah, it's it's one of the synonymous ones with Star Wars outside of the main theme and maybe like an, a, another one. If you're like a Star Wars fan, when you when you hear that song, you immediately know it's Star Wars. Yeah. Like, and it's it's just a great like you said, it's so different and unique from everything else going on. Um, plus, it's like these just dudes, these aliens playing music, musical instruments yeah. in a Star Wars bar. And it's like this is the tune they go for. I love it. Um, all right. Number 12 for me. Uh and I don't know if a lot of people will include this movie on their list. I did. Uh, and it came in at the last spot for me. It's a track that I really like because it kind of combines a lot of things that happen towards the end of the movie. And I went with The Rise of Skywalker and I went with Destiny of a Jedi. Um, and I, for me, when I think of tracks uh, with scores, I, I've like you just said, I think of the scene that it's taking place. Mm -hmm. um, and this was one in, in the kafubble of a movie that that movie is. Um, this is one of the scenes that I really actually did enjoy. It's between Luke and Ray on Octo force ghost, Luke and Ray as Ray is kind of going through her little situation. She finds Leia's lightsaber. Um, and Luke has that great words of wisdom towards her. And then it finishes off with him picking up the X wing. Um, destiny of Jedi is by far my favorite track on, on the entire score of rise of Skywalker. There's a couple ones on there. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I love it in the moment. It, it really impacts me because of the footage that's being shown. Uh, obviously Luke Skywalker, one of our greatest heroes and kind of just pushing Rey to who she is supposed to be, eventually being all of the Jedi. Uh, so I went with Destiny of a Jedi. Yeah, that's a great choice. Um, I didn't end up having anything from Rise on my list um, just because it didn't end up working out that way. But say what you will about Rise. And, you know, I do like it. I think it's a mess and many bad decisions were made. But uh, on its own terms, I enjoy watching it. And I think it's the emotional beats towards the end and, and middle end that work. And this scene, like you said, is great. And... Uh, I don't think anyone would say that uh, <clears throat> even in the worst of Star Wars that John Williams still didn't compose his heart out. So yeah, yeah it's a great choice. Um, as soon as he said the title track, I knew it, or the title of the track, I immediately knew what scene it was. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's good stuff. All right. Number 11. Okay. Uh, so number 11 for me, uh, I don't know how people are going to react to this. It's Augie's great municipal band and end credits from the Phantom Menace. Um, oh, which okay. I, th I think kind of pairs well with Cantina Band there at yeah, the end of yeah. my, uh, my, my list. Uh, you know, this is the song that plays at, at the end of Phantom Menace when they're having the big celebration on Naboo. Uh, 
there's something about it that I find so joyous and nostalgic. Um, when I think Phantom Menace, I do think one other track, which we will get to, I'm pretty sure I would be shocked <laughs> if we both don't have it at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this one where it's like, ah, ah, <laughs> it's just, it's fun and infectious and, and truly celebratory. Um, and I, I like to like use sound clips of this in random streams and stuff when a happy thing happens because it's immediately recognizable and again much like cantina band i think this is a track where uh, mr williams is playing in a little bit different sandbox than the more orchestral and space opera-y notes uh of most of it so yeah uh, really fun track and then you know it like goes into the end credit suite which sort of has a medley of different themes yep. from the yep. film so it's cheating a little bit but it's all together in one uh really great uh nine minute and 37 second track so <laughs> it's almost 10 minutes long yeah well because it, it you know it plays into that end scene and then oh, you know with with yeah. directed by george lucas comes and then it has like the whole credit suite so it's a long one it's it, it again, like you had mentioned with the cantina, it's unique. It's so unique and different from anything else in Star Wars that he really does. Because, you know, what we say, what we love about Star Wars music, and a lot of it does kind of play off of each other. This, the cantina, it's all vastly different from what we know in Star Wars. So I can definitely see why someone would pick that. Um, all right. I went with a, uh, a track from Rogue One for number 11. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I know that when, when this movie came out, a lot of people weren't talking about the score, and rightfully so, right? It was the first movie we ever got that didn't have John Williams at the mm -hmm. helm. Um, you know, Michael Giacchino does it. And so I went with probably the one that's most well-known. is It's called Jin Urso and Hope Suite. Um, it's, it kind of can be considered the main theme of the movie, I guess you, you can say, outside of, like, the Empire track and stuff like that. Um, I just – I don't know what it is about this track. I really love how subtle and beautiful Jin's is. And then it kind of transitions into this <clears throat> very bright and, you know, for lack of a better word, hopeful track that leads right into what the original Star Wars is all about with the rebellion and and getting back the galaxy, going up against the Empire, stuff like that. Um, it I when I was going through all of these tracks, I really wasn't expecting to put a rogue one on there, but I was starting to listen. I'm like, yeah, like I I dig what Michael Giacchino had been doing with this. I really did dig it, especially with the gener generoso aspect. Um, and then you just throw in that hope, that hope stuff and it's beautiful, but yeah. So rogue one for me. Yeah. Um, I love this choice. Um, I didn't end up with anything with the rogue one on my list, which is kind of a mistake, but you know, list making is difficult. Um, I, I think both this and Jurassic world is the inevitable conclusion mm -hmm. of the fact that Giacchino is the successor to John yes, Williams. Absolutely. Uh, I think they're very similar. Um, I'm going to share this piece of art that's normally hanging up there where you can't see it, that I got at D23. Uh, so this is Jin's theme, uh, uh, score music from Rogue One, uh, which has, you know, at the bottom, you can, can't can really see it with the, there we go. At the bottom, it has the stormtroopers at the Battle of Scarif, and then here uh, is Michael Giacchino's signature. Um, so I love That's this. Awesome. Um, that is awesome. So considering I own that, I should have put it on the list, but <laughs> oops. It's all good. Well, I'm glad well, we got it covered, though. <laughs> Uh, all right, number 10, and then we'll talk about some whiskey. Okay, uh, so number 10, and now we're getting into some heavy hitters, is Yoda and the Force from Empire. Um, you know, this is when Luke is on Dagobah, and, and this uses the Force theme, which I think sometimes is also called Leia's theme, depending on who you talk to. Mm -hmm. It's one of the more somber and beautiful themes that runs throughout all of Star Wars. Pretty much when, when this theme kicks in in any movie, I get tears in my eyes. 
Um, and I was trying to decide which track that uses it because there's also Binary Sunset. Yep. Um, but I went with this one because it also has some of like the moody uh, Dagobah Yoda stuff. So it has like a creepy element to it. And then, you know, it, it evolves into that gorgeous forest theme. Um, so yeah, that's why I went with this one. Such an incredible track that sums up the more uh, mystical side of Star Wars music. I will withhold any thoughts on my end for that one. Fair. <laughs> Fair. Um, all right. I believe they call that a punt. Yes, that is a punt. Um, all right. So the other side of this podcast is obviously the whiskey side of it. And as I mentioned before, I've never done a Japanese whiskey on this on this show. And so when you brought this to me, I was like, yes, like this is perfect. I love this. Um, what is it about the Hibiki Harmony from Suntory uh, that you love so much? Uh, well, I'm a big fan of, of Japanese whiskey in general, um, and I won't lie. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Lost in Translation. And, yep. you know, I was yep. 16 when that came out and I saw it in theaters. And, you know, a big plot of that is he's in Japan making commercials for Suntory. Suntory <laughs> is the house that makes Habiki. So mm -hmm. I always knew subconsciously that once I turned 21 or before, because who waits, uh, <laughs> that I wanted to try it. I didn't really get an appreciation for serious whiskey until I was older. Um, but I find Habiki so drinkable. It's 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 a little sweet. It's it's soft. Um, I love the amber color of it. It has yep. some some mild fruity notes. Um, it is a blend. It's not a single malt. Um, and what's interesting is just a little background about Habiki. So they used to have, and you could still get them, but they're super expensive now. So they, instead of the Harmony, which is a blend, they used to have the Habiki 12-year and the Habiki 17-year. That right. was the way you would buy it. Um, and they basically ran out uh, of those aged barrels. Um, there was a whiskey shortage. Um, so they took what they had and then some other stuff from their different barrels that they have throughout the whole Suntory family of whiskeys to make the Habiki Harmony blend. And, you know, if you were to do like a taste test of the Harmony and the 12 year, there's definitely a noticeable difference. The 12 year is better, but uh, as someone who used to drink the 12 year a lot, uh, the Harmony still uh, it's as close it's, as you can get, right? Yeah, there. it's as close as you can get. It still wets, you know, that whistle for me. And probably my favorite part is, I think it is the most beautiful whiskey bottle on the planet. That's I not that's not like that. a you know thousand yep. dollar, you know, fancy crystal bottle. I think the design of the bottle, the ridges, the top, it just it's immediately striking and stands out. Uh, I love their logo and the design. Um, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, you know, I talk about bottles a lot because I, I try to, you know, you want it to be appealing. You want the bottle, like, because if you don't know about the distillery or the company or anything like that, when you see it on the shelf, you'd be like, well, that looks great. Right. Um, sometimes color won't do it for you. And it's more so about what the appearance and everything. And you're right. The bottle is very unique. It's very different compared to a lot of other companies. Um, I did a little backstory um, on this and it's, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was also going to just say, I love that when you buy it, it comes in a box. Right. Yes. Not all whiskeys yeah. come in a box. And, yep. you know, so on the shelf, you may not see the bottle or they may have a display one. But this box is so striking. Again, the iconography of the, Sun, the Hibiki and Suntory logo um, just immediately takes me to Japan. Um, yep. And then you, you open the box and it's just such a beautiful presentation that um, it's not it's not an inexpensive um, bottle of whiskey. But I think the level of presentation you get with the box and the bottle suggests a higher price point than you might expect absolutely. Than, than it actually is, is, is what I meant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I, I did a little research of this and it's, it's very cool how this, this whiskey is actually made. 
Um, it's made from, and you had mentioned it's a blend from three different distilleries, two in Japan and one in China. Um, they take their time with this and it's actually aged in five different casks. So they, they put it together in five different barrels over years <clears throat> and they mix it all together, let it blend. And, you know, just thinking about the time they put into this suggests that you, any price point they give on it is worth it because of the way that it's going to taste the way that they take their time on it. You can feel the love, you can feel the flavor. Um, it does have that kind of smoky finish, which I really enjoy. It's very smooth. You mentioned mm -hmm. the fruitiness to it. Uh, the fruitiness is awesome. It has just the right, just the right touch of it. Um, and the color is obviously a big deal too. I really, really look at the color of whiskey a lot and it's, it's a beautiful looking whiskey. Um, and again, I've never really been a big Japanese whiskey guy. I've had it maybe once or twice, not cause I don't like it just because I've never really ventured into it. Um, but now that I have, it's like, like, yeah, like I can really see myself coming home from a long day at work or, you know, at a, at a party eventually in the future, just sipping on a glass of whiskey of this and enjoying my time. So, um, great call. Yeah, man. Generally, if, if we're going out, uh, and I want to drink whiskey, if they have Habiki on the menu, that's what I'm going to order or another Japanese whiskey. Uh, there's a lot yeah. of other stuff I like, but it's sort of my standard go-to if I'm having a nice dinner at like a steakhouse or something. Yeah. Now, um, I mean, now that I know it's, it's definitely something I'm going to look out for. Yeah. All right, let's get back to it. Uh, we have nine more to go. Oh, I got to review my 10. I got to review yeah. my 10. There you go. Uh, all right, my number 10 comes from uh, the second um, spinoff movie in uh, in Star Wars, and that is from Solo. I went with Reminiscence Therapy. Oh, um, okay. And it can be considered the main theme, if you will, of, of Solo. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I might be completely wrong on this, this is during the Kessel Run, uh, if I'm not mistaken. It's a very long track, but it... It has the hint of John Williams' uh, Han Solo theme in it, mixed together with a lot of other stuff that you recognize from Star Wars, plus some new stuff from John Powell. Uh, to me, I think John Powell's score in Solo is probably the most underrated out of all of them. It's not talked about a lot, but there's some really cool stuff in there. Uh, and I really enjoy most of Solo myself. And um, I did my best to find a track that went in there, and I just listened to Reminiscence Theory, or Therapy, excuse me, um, earlier and i was like yeah this is this has got to find a way in here uh and it just makes me want to sit back enjoy solo uh very old school feel to the track um a lot of fun a lot of adventure to it which is exactly what the movie went for so reminiscence therapy from solo a star wars story uh that's an awesome choice uh uh, I think we'll be talking about Solo again in a bit, but yes. I will take this opportunity to say hashtag make Solo 2 happen. Yes, hell yeah. Uh, I, I love Solo. It's it's um, it's just works so well as like a, a, like a pulp adventure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the casting is great. It's just a fun, fun, fun movie, and I would love to see more of uh, the cast in those roles. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Yeah. All right, we are, uh, we are in the top 10 now. What do we got for number nine? So my number nine is from Last Jedi, um, a movie that every time I watch it, I love it more. And I could see in the future being my favorite Star Wars movie. It's currently at number two. That might be a hot take for some people. I don't care. Uh, I went with Octu Island, uh, which is the okay. second track on the score. This is a theme that was established at the end of Force Awakens when yep. Rey arrives to Octu Island. Locking up the steps, right? Yep. yep. Um, and then it expands here in this track. And, you know, this is... The resolution of the cliffhanger where Ray's giving Luke the lightsaber, and then of course Ryan Johnson, that uh cad that he is immediately has Luke throw it away, which <laughs> angered many people but yeah. delighted me. I thought it was such a great subversive choice. But uh, I think this this actually pairs pretty well with Yoda in the Force because it's another more um ethereal um 
sort of haunting track. Um, I think it really establishes that Octu Island is a place of uh, mystery and magic. Um, and it really sets the scene for the journey that uh, Luke, I was about to say Luke and Leia, that Luke and Ray go on throughout The Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, really beautiful track. And it gets used uh, some other times throughout the movie, but I think this piece is the, the best representation of that theme uh, Williams wrote for the island. Yeah, that the, the concluding moments of The Force Awakens, I, I always recognize those the music when she's walking up the steps, she's walking up the hill to find Luke, and then it kind mm-hmm. of ends in The Last Jedi. Like you said, um, Octo is this mysterious place. It's the place of the first ever Jedi Temple and you need to make sure people realize that. And one mm-hmm. way to do that in Star Wars is with a great music track. So you're yep. 100% right on that one. Yep. All right, number nine. Uh, I'm going to my favorite movie of all time, and that is The Empire Strikes Back. And I'm going with an absolute classic, and that is Han Solo and the Princess. Ah. Han Solo and the Princess. Uh, I know a lot of people probably have this a lot higher. Um, there's a lot of stuff that I like just a little bit more than it. But this this track uh, you know, is just such a touching beautiful piece of music that plays into the love story that is Han and Leia. Um, you know, they, it can be considered one of the greatest love stories, if not the greatest love story of all time. Uh, and they're two of the main characters, obviously. And, you know, the fact that they got this incredible theme that was so different from the main track of Star Wars and the Empire theme and all this stuff that was going on, you get this really soft-noted uh, track that's playing throughout the background. It's it's just a beautiful touch by John Williams. And it's one of his masterful pieces, in my opinion, of music. Um, and to give two of the greatest characters of all time this track is is beautiful. Plays eventually into what the sequel trilogy did as well. And it's one of those synonymous pieces of music to Star Wars fan. When they hear it, they, they immediately know what it is. Might even get a little teary-eyed because of the end result. But uh, yeah, Han Solo and the Princess at number nine. Yeah, uh, that's a great pick. Uh, it didn't make my list just because I really uh, was consciously trying to like spread the love throughout the entire Star Wars universe. So I pretty much ended up with just, uh, other than one case, surprisingly, one choice from each film. Um, but yeah, I agree with uh, what you said about uh, Han and Leia, one of the iconic love stories in cinema history. I mean, it doesn't get any better than I love you, I know. <laughs> it's just like, um, and again, you know, all credit to George and, and everyone and what they created. But I think the MVP of the Star Wars movies is the music that John Williams wrote. Absolutely. It is as much a force, pun intended, of storytelling <laughs> uh, and mood and thematics as the writing and the acting. Um, and this is, yeah, it's a beautiful choice. Yeah, it's it's funny. When we come out of Star Wars movies, of course, we're talking about like force powers and like whatever didn't work. But always I hear people talk about all the time the score, the score, the score, whether they liked it or not. It's always one of the top like three things that are always mentioned in every Star Wars fans, um, which is very, very rare in movies. It's very rare. It always comes up, but within that like high of a list, it's very rare. So yeah. Um, All right. Number eight, Maxwell, what do we got? So for number eight, uh, I decided to head over to the Mandalorian Uh, and it was hard to pick uh, one track. I think what Ludwig Gordonson has done with the Mandalorian is incredible. Uh, I think more so even than John Powell or Michael Giacchino, he has set the tone for what new Star Wars music can be uh, c- considering that John Williams is done, which, you know, I think is, is the right choice. The Skywalker saga is done. Let it, let it pass on. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because of the tone of the show, you know, it's, it's, it's in its own way kind of different than a lot of the movies, but uh, I ended up picking a track that I think is more reminiscent of Star Wars movies and not as much of the 
the like the theme or the some maybe even electronic stuff he did, and that is the Seeing Stone. Love it. Okay, uh, you know this is from season two. I'm yeah. spo- spoilers if you haven't watched The Mandalorian. Uh, you know this is after <laughs> this is after they meet Ahsoka. After we find out Baby Yoda's name Grogu, Jin takes him to uh, the Seeing Stone, and he's sort of like being one with the force and there's all these funny blue lights coming and this music just swells. And I remember in the moment watching it, I got so emotional because of the music. Uh, so when I went to pick a Mandalorian track, this is the one I, I leaned on. I almost just went with the opening title theme. Cause I think it's like an instantly iconic piece mm-hmm. of theme music, but my heart went out um, with the emotional track, uh, the sing stone. Yeah. It's in the, obviously we know by the end of season two that how emotional it can really get. At, at the end of the day, season one and season two was all about Mando and Grogu. That's what it was about. Yeah. And and when you can put together a beautiful piece of music like that for a character like Grogu, um, and like you said, I, I completely agree with you that that L- what Ludwig is doing, um, he he's playing off of what made Star Wars music so great, but really giving it his own flavor. Um, and a lot of people, I remember like when the first episode that came out, they were like, yeah. It's so new. Like, I have to get used to it. Now we're all talking. About it. Yeah. Like, we're all talking about it. So I love that it's included. And the fact that he can do something with just a seeing stone is, is pretty incredible. Yeah. All right. Number eight for me. Uh, I'm not going to the Mando just yet. I'm going to the animated show of the Clone Wars. Oh. Uh, and season seven, um, one of the climactic episodes towards the end. Uh, and I'm using Race to the Surface from the Clone Wars season seven. Um, and this is the scene where... Uh, Ahsoka, Rex, in the 501st, they get to Mandalore, and she heads her way down to Mandalore, wrecking shop on her way down. Um, I know a lot of people recognize a lot of familiar notes from something like Revenge of the Sith at the opening scene of that, thinking that it may play into that as well. Um, But there's just something about this track that really hits with me. I don't know exactly what it is. It may be that Ahsoka is one of my favorite characters of all time. The fact that she's back with Rex, the way that it ends of like, you know, you know, things never change. You, you'll never beat me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, that they're heading to Mandalore. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's just so climactic for me. It's just a beautiful piece of music. What Kevin Kiner did with season seven was incredible. Um, you know, th- those final episodes are some of the best piece of music that I enjoy personally uh, with race to the service being the top one. But uh, yeah, it's, I, I love what a lot of clone wars and rebels have done. But for me, this is like top notch star Wars music right here. Yeah, Kevin Kiner is incredible. Um, the work he did both on Rebels and Clone Wars, and we will be talking about something Perfect. else uh, in a second. Um, but yeah, that's a great choice. See, they they nailed the ending yep. uh, of Clone Wars. Um, I think uh, partly because of how it, the production shook out and and delays here and there that the the series as taken as a whole is a little messy. Mm-hmm. But um, where it mattered, they killed it, and his music was a big part of that. Those last, I don't know four or five six episodes or so are just some of the best star wars telling storytelling you could ever see oh there he goes of course it was going to happen kylo uh, i would have to agree with you i'd have to agree with you all right moving on to number seven number seven okay so we're talking kevin kiner again uh <laughs> number seven is from the season two finale of star wars rebels it's actually the last the last track uh ahsoka decides to stay back in the temple as the ghost crew leaves Ezra finally opens the Sith holocron uh you know Ahsoka had just 
had her sort of face off with Vader, who is her old apprentice, uh, or rather her old, uh, she was his old apprentice, Padawan. Uh, the track is called It's Over Now. Um, I don't, you know, I, I had wanted to maybe do something from season four of Rebels, but I don't think they actually released score albums for seasons three and four. I don't, I don't remember seeing that at all. I don't think um, they did anything past season two for like right. or anything of that. No, I don't think they did either. But uh, regardless, this track is is beautiful. Um, Ahsoka is one of my probably top five favorite all-time Star Wars characters, mm-hmm. which is is you know, such great justice considering how some people felt about her when she was first introduced. (laughs) Um, I think her journey in Rebels particularly is remarkable. Um, And now, of course, she's getting her own live action show, which is going to be dope as hell. I'll never forget, I was on that reaction video uh, you did for for the episode where she appeared on, on the Mandalorian and we were freaking out just to finally see her in live action. But yeah, this, this track and this scene, like the, the season two finale of rebels, I think is masterful. Um, and partly because of clone wars and, and one of the great things about like universe storytelling, where you can tell stories in different shows or movies is some of the emotional baggage from clone wars gets to be resolved and dealt with in Rebels. Yep. Uh, and, you know, one of the the best parts of Clone Wars was the developing uh, relationship between Master and Apprentice with Anakin and Ahsoka. Um, so to me, this track really defines Ahsoka's journey in Star Wars Rebels Season 2. And then, of course, we don't see her for a while again. And then when she comes back, it's incredible. Please, please, please watch Star Wars Rebels if you haven't seen it. It's one of my favorite things in the world. And if Elizabeth is still in the chat, she will admit that a certain episode in in Season 4 where a certain someone is no longer with us uh, is arguably the most I've ever cried at anything I've ever watched. Dude, I'm with you. I'm with you. And that uh, it's, it's heartbreaking to watch, but back, back to the track. Um, yes, I would have to agree with you. Uh, it's like I had mentioned up top with when I did the rise of Skywalker track, um, I immediately can hear and see everything going on in that scene. Uh-huh. Just, just the moment of them fighting the moment where Ahsoka pushes uh, Ezra away and the door closes on them. Just, Everything that's happening in that episode, um, it is it is to the T perfect Star Wars storytelling, um, and it comes with beautiful music as well. So uh, that yes, I absolutely agree with that one. Awesome. All right, number seven for me. I'm going basic on this one. We mentioned Mando already, and I'm just going to do the basic Mandalorian track. Um, it's look, I, I, there's a lot of stuff I love in, in what Ludwig is doing in Mandalorian. Um, there was one from episode three of season one that I was really really high on which is called mando rescue but i can i can with without even thinking about mandalorian star wars i'll immediately start humming this thing it oh. is brought on to me so much over the past two years uh people using it in backgrounds of videos the opening of the show like just everything about it now for me screams star wars and it's funny because when they first dropped it i was like yeah i don't really know how i feel it feels very sporty it doesn't really hit with me, but then I then I got to know this character of the Mandalorian. I'm like, absolutely, this is this dude's theme. This is 100 yeah. percent this guy's theme. Um, it's beautiful. It's one of the best tracks in Star Wars ever for me personally, and and I cannot wait to see what Ludwig does uh, for season three and beyond. Hopefully, he gets a movie at some point. I would love to see him do a Star Wars movie. Uh, uh, but now I would, I would absolutely love to see it. I would love him to do uh, Rogue Squadron. Oh, dude, Ludwig with Patty Jenkins. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, although I also wouldn't mind if if it's Hans Zimmer's first foray into Star Wars because they just worked together on Wonder Woman eighty four. Uh, but yeah, so 
Uh, I love the Mandalorian. You can see my my Mando guy here on my shelf. Uh, and it's true, like everything about the first episode of the Mandalorian was jarring just because it was so unlike anything Star Wars we'd ever seen. We had mm-hmm. never seen a live action TV show. Uh, we had never had a main focal character who doesn't take off his helmet and, and is very, <laughs> very stoic and taciturn. Uh, and then the music was a bold swing and it could have failed miserably. But I think arguably in today's society or today's zeitgeist, the Mandalorian theme is as iconic a piece of Star Wars music as you got. Yep. Uh, you say the word Mandalorian and it's immediately in my head, uh, <laughs> partly probably because Sully has it on his soundboard and plays it like, <laughs> <laughs> three to four times yep, anytime yep. we're streaming uh-huh. uh, in any context. But yeah, it, it's incredible. It sets the tone for the show so well. And it's kind of a bop in its own way too. Like it makes you want to like, it has that beat. It, it makes yeah. you like the bobblehead. It's like the closest Star Wars has gotten to being like, we're in the club now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. So it's That's a great, awesome. it's a great choice. Um, and, and the track I picked for Mando does have a little element of this theme in it. Cause Ludwig weaves it in, in in impactful moments in in the show so beautifully um so yeah it's a great choice um and i love and and partly why i wanted to talk about star wars music is i love to chart and talk about the evolution of it mm-hmm. um and how it's growing with star wars uh because we're in a we're in a point now where star wars is as vast as it's ever been and is just continuing to grow and i'm i personally am thrilled about it and the more music we get and the more different composers that are given the opportunity to play in the star wars soundbox sandbox is awesome yeah, and we, we talked about it, you know, Star Wars, out of, out of all the franchises, is the one that's most well-known for, for its music, right? Mm-hmm. There's obviously franchises like the Jurassic Parks or the Indiana Jones and stuff that have the great music, but when you think of Star Wars, one thing is like, okay, who's going to be composing the movie? Who's going to be composing the movie? And like you said, it allows for a lot of composers to come in and put their stamp on Star Wars, which is going to be a lot of fun. Now, like, I remember when Rogue One came out, because it was the first time that we had saw someone other than Williams... <laughs> do anything in star wars and five six years later we're think we're t- thinking to ourselves yeah that's actually a really good score it just needed time yeah. but now ludwig after an episode or two he's like one of the guys in star wars like let him do everything at this point yeah well um, I, I think we're at a point now where there's not going to be that same initial hesitation i think because the the the, the differences and and uh, experimentation in star wars music is you know, significant now that whatever movies uh, and TV shows we get coming forward. And I don't know necessarily, you know, if Ludwig is going to compose for, you know, uh, uh, Rangers or the Ahsoka show or whatever, or I don't know if Kevin, I think Kevin is doing Bad Batch. Um, I'm pretty sure, but uh, it'll be fun to see who now make the opportunity to write music for Star Wars. Now that I, now that John Williams isn't there, it feels like a lot bigger composers like the Hans Zimmers of the world might step in a little bit. Maybe. I mean, that would be anything's possible. I mean, this is a guy who, who after, uh, I don't know, maybe after the Dark Knight Rises said, I'm never doing a superhero score again. And then he did Dark Phoenix and Wonder Woman 84. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, all right. We are close to our top five. Before we get there, we are at number six. Uh, what do you got at number six, sir? Okay, uh, number six is one that maybe I'm ranking a little too low. It's Duel of the Fates. Ooh, hot take maybe? Hot take? Uh, look, I'm still saying it's one of the 10 best pieces of Star <laughs> Wars music ever. So uh, this is just where it ended up on the list. Um, arguably as iconic a piece of Star Wars music as we got. I, I love The Phantom Menace. I know the prequels get shit, although I think in the intervening years, there's been a, a, a shift 
uh, in um, absolutely uh, in the way like people view the, view the prequels. Um, and I think the prequels have some of the best Star Wars music. So I know I realize now I said only one movie has two tracks and it's Phantom Menace because I also <laughs> had the one from the end. Uh, you know, uh, the the lightsaber battle between Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Maul is incredible. And I would say it's 90% because of Duel of the Fates. The way he uses the deep choral voices that reminds me of like Carmina Barana, mm -hmm. like classic gothic choral music. Yeah. Um, it is. It just gives me chills thinking about it. Um, this track is baller. It's, it's in, in, you know, Star Wars had been gone for 20 plus years at that point. And you needed something to like, and it, it was well into the movie, obviously, but you needed something to like really hook people and be like, wow. And and if I'm not mistaken, it was also the fastest that we've ever seen John Williams do a Star Wars piece of music. I mean, dun 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 dun, dun. Mm -hmm. like his quickest music in all of Star Wars. And it's just like you said, it's it's composed. Cheers. So beautifully. Yes, thank you again, man. Appreciate it. Cheers. Mm. Glad to be talking Star Wars with you. It's good stuff. I really but, shouldn't be, be drinking more after last night, but if you're doing a show with whiskey in the title, you got to at least have a couple. Sips. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I can understand why people have it in number one. I can understand why people have it in number six or, or 10, you know, it's just that iconic piece of music that everyone recognizes. Um, my last point about duel of the fates is I think it was a missed opportunity not to have it in rise of Skywalker. I agree. I agree. Um, especially considering the efforts they went to, to sort of make it, like a closed circle, closed loop of the entire nine movie saga. Um, Cause they had used it in a TV spot that came out about yep. a week or two before yep. the movie. Uh, and I remember flipping out that they were using it in the marketing. I was like, well, that's it. It's going to play. <laughs> it's going to play in the movie. I was like, yep. I don't know if Kylo and Ray are going to, cause at this point we didn't know much about the movie. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know if Kylo and Ray are going to have like a big final climactic battle. I don't know if, if Kylo is going to turn and they're going to team up and have to fight turns out to be Palpatine. But uh, I think uh, in that scene at the end where uh, Kylo turns, he has his incredible shrug, which is like yep. the most Han Solo-y shrug in one yep. of my favorite moments in the sequel trilogy. I'm like, oh yeah, this is Han's kid. Uh, and when they started fighting, it should have, they should have used uh, not necessarily the whole track, but the theme in there somewhere, but eh, it's okay. They, they it, should, it is they what it is. Weaved, they should have weaved it in for sure. I agree with you. It, it would have, you know, like you said, it, it was a full circle moment or movie. They brought everything together. Why not do the same thing with a score? So I, right. I absolutely agree with you. Um, all right, number six for, for me, before we get to number five here, I'm sticking with the sequel trilogy. And uh, I'm going to go Ray's theme from The Force Awakens. Um, I am obsessed with this track. And I also love the fact that we just talked about weaving it in. It is weaved in so much throughout the entire sequel trilogy. It is in The Last Jedi. It is in uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, it's, it's in that big moment that we just talked about the climactic battle up against Palpatine. Uh, and I, I just love how different and, and unique it is compared to a lot of other star Wars themes that we get. It's slow, it's soft, but it also has this really upbeat feel to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it absolutely fits the character of Ray perfectly where she came from, where she goes and where she ends up. Um, it is, it is one of the perfect situations as far as a character and theme go, and that happens a lot in Star Wars, but for me, it's one of the best. Um, and there's two different ones. There's actually the Scavenger and the Ray's theme. I love Ray's theme personally a lot more. Uh, it, it just fits my my tune a little bit more. But yeah, when I heard this for the first time, I was I was almost hooked instantly. 
Um, let's, uh, I'm going to wait and talk about this in a little bit. <laughs> let's move on to our top five. I think is the, is the best thing for me to say right now. <laughs> there, number five. Uh, okay, at number five, uh, I have The Adventures of Han from Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, this is the like main theme uh, yep. for the film. John Williams came in to write just this theme, and then John Powell took over the rest of the score. And I love John Powell's score. Uh, I'm glad you had a John Powell track mm -hmm. from it. But uh, this theme that Williams wrote for Han, I think it was perfect that they got him because you know he created all those iconic themes for the characters in the original trilogy. Uh, and then to have him come back and put this like final little chef's kiss yep. note on Han Solo. Uh, and I, I said earlier uh, when we talked about Solo that um, what I love about the movie is it's like plays like a pulp adventure film. And this to me is a perfect example of that yep. sort of theme. You think of like the shadow or the phantom or, or even like stuff like Pirates of the Caribbean or the Lone Ranger, those type of movies. That's the type of movie Solo is. And this music is perfect. It has that sort of jaunty, we're going on an adventure. I have that too. Yeah. I should have, you know I what? I thought I had it. I no, totally it, it's fun. It. It's funny that you're showing it because <laughs> yesterday before I've had such a rough day in recovery, uh, I made a mental note. Oh, make sure you grab that off your vinyl <laughs> shelf to, to show up, but you got it yeah. covered. Uh, yeah, I have it. I love it. But this track, man, uh, it like makes me feel like I'm ready to hop in the Millennium Falcon and go yeah. on an adventure with Absolutely. Chewie throughout the galaxy. It pumps me up. It's, it's, uh, jubilant and it's just fun like fun is the word I know it's such a catch-all word but this is a fun as hell track yeah and it, it fits like you said it fits the character of Han perfectly and and <laughs> have them have John just do this one track uh, the guy who had been doing mu music for him for a very long time um, it was the perfect call and it's such a great <laughs> addition to what was a great a great overall score by John mm -hmm. Powell yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is, it just screams, it screams Han Solo. It screams Chewbacca. It screams the Millennium Falcon. Uh, and I'm so, so happy that you included it. So yeah. Happy. And, and John Powell, um, for what it's worth is one of my favorite composers. And I don't think he gets the credit he deserves because his music for how did the, how to train your dragon series. Absolutely. is some of the best yep. uh, film music we've gotten in the last uh, 15 years, I guess. I agree. I agree. Yeah. 15 years. Yeah. Um, so, agree. uh, yeah. John Powell rocks. All right, number five for me, uh, I'm going to The Return of the Jedi, and I am going with the track, The Return of the Jedi. There it is. Uh, <laughs> it is uh, oh, wait, you said the name of the movie. I'm going to take a shot. <laughs> there you go. I'll do one with you. All right, so this uh, this track plays in the throne room um, as uh, Palpatine slash Emperor at that moment is trying to pull Luke to the dark side. He's trying to pull Luke to the dark side, and then he grabs his lightsaber and the Jedi fully returned. It's that moment, that whole scene of, of, you know, Luke at this point, yes, he looked like a Jedi. He was dressed like one, but he hadn't fully embraced being a Jedi at that point. He wasn't. That was the moment that shifted. And John Williams did this perfect thing of adding a track uh, that fit the Jedi perfectly in the moment. It kind of combines a few things that we recognize throughout the whole trilogy, but it's a really culmination of Luke's journey at that point. And he's facing his biggest test to that point. He's facing the emperor. He's saying no to the dark side. Um, and ultimately facing his father as well, which is a big, big deal. Uh, it's a very heroic theme, which is why I enjoy, enjoy it so much. And then it obviously plays into a lot of stuff we see in the prequels as well as the sequels. Um, it's a very mainstay track. And I just enjoy the absolute hell out of it. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, Jedi has some of the best Star Wars music. And 
this whole scene is is the emotional high point of the original trilogy, and Williams nails it. But I want to actually ask you a question about uh, Jedi music, uh, sort of off off the list for a second. So, where do you fall on Yub Nub versus Victory Celebration? Because oh. uh, that's one of the big changes that the special editions did. Uh, I like both of them. So do I. Um, Yub Nub is, I think, more outwardly John Williamsy, but there's something about Vic- I don't know. There, there's. I think there's something more about Victory Celebration now because I've heard it so much more often. Sure. Um, and I think it's it's kind of just like I've gotten not that I've gotten used to it, but it's grown on me a little bit more over the years. Um, I I love Yubnub. I love I love that track. I do. I think it's great. Um, but I think I think the fact that I'm just so used to it and also it's grown on me. I would choose Victory Celebration at the moment. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I think it's one of those questions that people have differing answers on, and there's no right or wrong answer. Absolutely. Um, it's not like we're talking about Jedi Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, number four? Number four. We're cracking top five. We are on number four. Okay. So number four uh, is one you just talked about. It's Ray's theme. Yes. Um, so I'm at the point now in Star Wars where – Ray might be my number one favorite character. Love it. Um, I have a Ray Hot Toys also. I just don't have her displayed on the shelf right now because I like the cycle. Which thing. which one do you have? It's from Force Awakens in nice. her like uh, uh, Jakku outfit with nice. BB-8 next to her. Um, <clears throat> and when I when I saw uh, Force Awakens that opening Thursday night, um, still one of the the best theater going experiences of my life. We saw it on the big Lincoln Center IMAX. I was wearing my Mark Hamill on the cover of Star Wars Insider T-shirt, which has nice. now been thrown away because of stains and years of wear and tear. Uh, and you know, it's it was weird to to my voice just got so high. It was weird to be sitting in a theater and watching Star Wars and being introduced to brand new characters. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, even in the in the prequel trilogy, to a certain extent, they're characters we already knew, just we knew in different uh, stages of their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I think the filmmaking in, in the opening 20 minutes with Ray on Jakku, where like the, the little bread thing is expanding, where I she's, love that moment. where she's sitting in the sand, putting on the, the fighter helmet yeah. where she's sliding around and exploring. Uh, and then this theme kicks in. I think it kicks in too, when she is sliding down sort of like it, on the sled. Before she gets on her speeder. Yeah. Um, and I immediately fell in love with this character. And I think like the best film music and best star Wars music, this theme is synonymous with Ray as a character. I think it nails her tenacity. I think it nails her, her uniqueness. I think she's the most unique and different Star Wars hero. Um, and actually I was talking to PJ Campbell, uh, I'll pick up that name I just dropped uh, earlier <laughs> about this track. And we both agreed and said it sort of independently that it reminds us a lot of some of John Williams' Harry Potter music. Oh, okay. Um, it, it feels less like Star Wars and more like Harry Potter. And I, I'm okay with that. And I think it's great because Ray is a young woman character who we're yeah. meeting uh, and about to go on this journey. Uh, and in fact, I remember I was in the Disney store Times Square a couple of years ago and, you know, they play on, on the sound, on the speakers, all different sorts of different Disney music and Ray's theme started to play, but I was having one of those brain fart moments where I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> and I remember thinking, why are they playing Harry Potter at the Disney store? Uh, but then I was like, oh, wait, no, it's Ray's theme. Uh, I love, love, love this track, um, which is why it's at number four. Um, 
uh, and I love Ray. It's it's so great, and I'm glad this is one we have shared on both of our lists. Yeah, I I agree with you <clears throat> about the character of Ray. I I have enjoyed her from the beginning, but her journey through all three movies really just solidified her as like one of the greatest Star Wars characters for me. And to have a great track like she has, uh, absolutely yeah, totally agree, totally agree. Um, and not to hark on 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 Rise too much, but you know, you had, you had a track from it earlier, and I just want to note. In terms of Ray and Rise, um, there's a scene that I think is is regardless of the movie at the whole one of my favorite Star Wars scenes, and it's when she hears all the voices of the past Jedi. Uh, and when uh, when we heard Kanan's voice, yep. I, lo- I lost my shit. Like, <laughs> if, I don't know if Elizabeth is still watching, but she also confirmed that was another moment where I started sobbing in the theater yeah. that first time we saw it. Um, and I think Ray's arc overall, minus the Palpatine thing, which I sort of just ignore is perfect um where she starts where she ends up uh to me she's not a palpatine and that's okay uh but yeah um they did pretty good by ray uh especially with this theme yeah you and i are on the same page about the palpatine thing um all right number four for me uh i'm going to revenge of the sith one of my favorite star wars movies of all time uh and this is battle of the heroes uh this this track is just bonkers it is it, it really has that drama feel to it again going and this we, we say this a lot with star wars tracks but when you listen to it you know exactly what's happening you know exactly it's, it's such an emotional moment um what john williams has done with this theme it you know right it's the first time we're seeing heroes we love people we love fight each other like it's it's a big big deal um and so battle of the heroes for me is one of the and look Revenge of the Sith has a lot of great tracks. There's, there's a couple of the tracks that I really wanted to include in some way, but I just couldn't. Um, but for me, the best one out of the bunch is by far Battle of the Heroes. Uh, and I think Revenge of the Sith personally is one of the most underrated Star Wars tracks in John Williams' uh, uh, list of movies. But yeah, Battle of the Heroes is number four. There you go. Great choice. All right, let's get to number three. Uh, we are officially in our top three. What do you got, Maxwell? So... Uh, interesting that you just had a Revenge of the Sith because I have a Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and if if someone wants to say, hey, you're cheating, this is the one you could say, hey, you're cheating because it's A New Hope and End Credits, uh, <laughs> which is a 13-minute uh, long track. Oh my. Um, you know, I love Revenge of the Sith. It is one of my favorite Star Wars movies. I actually rewatched it uh, fairly recently. And I think it really just gets better and better. And I love it more and more. And like you were saying, there are so many great themes and musical motifs throughout. Like the music that plays during uh, the battle on Mustafar is incredible. Yeah. All this stuff. And why I love this track is it sort of cheats because it just is 13 minutes weaving in all of the themes from <laughs> Revenge of the Sith and Star Wars history. That's fair. Uh, Which why calling it A New Hope and End Credits is perfect because it, it leads right into A New Hope. You have some of like the OG Star Wars theme. Uh, and then you have all the different beats from the music of the prequels and Revenge of the Sith, especially. So, yeah, 13 minutes of glorious Star Wars music. <laughs> that is absolutely fair. I almost did that for uh, there was another movie that had the kind of a similar thing. But I was like, eh, yeah, I'll keep that one up. But that is absolutely fair. That's absolutely. Fair. Hey, it's it's on the album. It's a it's a score track. I would it, it's fair game. It is yeah. absolutely fair game. Uh, all right. Number three for me. One we've actually already mentioned. And again, another shocker that it might not be a number one. That is Duel of Fates. Uh, Duel of Fates at number three. Um, I'm actually surprised I don't have this at number one personally. Because uh, I, I I love this track. I think this track is so great. Um, it's perfect in my opinion. 
uh, it plays the scene very, very well. The 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 stuff that is happening in the moment, um, and it, it also fits the character of Maul and uh, and what Qui Gon and Obi Wan are going through as well. Um, kind of how it teeters from very fast paced to slow paced, quiet to high. Uh, it's it's just great piece of music from John Williams. We talked about it before, but yeah, Dual Fates, an all timer, not just in Star Wars, but period. It is synonymous for sure uh, in in music. People hear it. They know exactly what they're thinking about. So Dual Fates at number three. I mean, I already said what I had to say about it. I I added a couple. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, And ultimately, you know, uh, as is the case when I do any sort of ranking, the rankings are are mostly arbitrary. Like you could shuffle them all around. It's mostly just a top 10 in any order. But yeah, absolutely. Um, So gosh, number two, huh? We got two left. What do you got for number two? The the runner up, if you will. So my runner up is uh, and stop me if you've heard about this piece of music before. It's a little thing called the Imperial March <laughs> uh, uh, from the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, it's Darth Vader's theme. Uh, I think arguably the greatest theme ever written for a villain in, in movie history. Absolutely. Um, there are some things that have come close, but there is nothing to me that is as instantly auditorially synonymous with the character that is that is evil, or at least evil for most of the, those movies. Um it, you could hum. Everyone in the world could probably start humming it immediately. Um, it's dark. It's it's brassy and bombastic, and and it's thrilling. And it's just this is another one that I've heard so many remixes of. It's great in like uh, house or trap or EDM. <laughs> oh yes, Brandy says. Oh, I know that one. I did it. I nailed it. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on. The Imperial March. It is what it is. What can you say about one of the greatest pieces of film music ever, other than? This is one of the greatest pieces of film music ever written. <laughs> it's in, you know, this is, I think this is one of the few tracks um, that people who may not know Star Wars or have even even seen Star Wars, they know exactly where it's from. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what it is. Uh, they even know, like you said, it's, it's ultimately it really is Vader's theme. It's the Imperial March, but it really is Vader's theme. Well, it says, uh, like on the track titles, it says the Imperial March, and then in parentheses, it does say Darth Vader. Okay, theme. cool. So Perfect. that is like the AKA title for it. Exactly. So yeah, it's 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 just great. It's such a just incredible, aggressive theme. And again, it sticks out from a lot of the other things that are happening currently in the Star Wars music at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the themes that that continued throughout the entire franchise and everything, right? Outside of the main Star Wars theme, Imperial March, we saw in the prequels, we saw in the sequels, we saw in Clone Wars, we saw in Rebels. We see it everywhere. And um, it, 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 every time they use it, I'm like, thank you. This, yeah. is, this is the right choice. It's, it's, it's even in, it's even in the audiobook. Oh, form, the novel. I, I see you have a Ray pop behind you, actually. I do. Uh, oh, yeah. Really? Oh, the Last Jedi one right there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so I think funny. it's the last one. Is it the last one? That's yeah, it is so, the last Jedi one. That's so funny because I got I got this one right here too. Oh, that's awesome. I have uh I have uh the Rise of Skywalker, both of them, the yellow saber and the blue saber on their way. Oh awesome. You're on pre-order. Um, but yeah, um look. if if you're just tuning in, Jake and I are big old nerds. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Very true. I think actually, you know what's funny? I think we have the same uh you can't see mine, but we have the same hot toy. Yeah. And uh, the uh, Sullivan Mansolinos also have it because right. I sent it to him as a Christmas gift last nice. year. Nice, yeah. No, I to me that is like that. I the old armor is just beautiful. It's so yeah, so. Um, but yeah, you know, again, the Imperial March is incredible. Uh, it also makes me think of Disney World 
Because when you're in Hollywood Studios, even before Galaxy's Edge was built and you're standing outside of Star Tours and there's like the cheesy stage show, it would start playing and then Darth and the Stormtroopers would start marching yeah. and it just, I don't know, it's its iconic. Absolutely. I don't use that word lightly. Absolutely. Um, it's its agree. perfect. It's really perfect. Absolutely agree. 100% agree with you. Um, all right. Number two for me, uh, I am going to choose <laughs> probably outside of the main Star Wars theme. Uh, maybe one that's very, very well known as far as Star Wars fans, and that is Binary Sunsets. Okay. Uh, Binary Sunsets for me, uh, outside of like, like I said, the the main track um, is very much like the Star Wars theme. That's kind of what I get from it. Um, it's very subtle. It's very quiet. It kind of builds a little bit. It's that moment Luke is looking up at the two sons on Tatooine. Um, and it, it also is considered the Force theme, which is why I play into it as well. Uh, you know, it's it, we hear yep. it a lot throughout Star Wars. Um, but it just, you know, when I watch Star Wars, and it's not every aspect for me, but uh, I really fully love what happens with the Jedi and the mythology and everything. And this is what this track is all about. Um, it, it screams hope, you know, looking to the future and finding your your destiny, if you will, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so yeah, it, it's officially titled Hologram slash Binary Sunsets because it begins with Leia's hologram in the original Star Wars and then transfers into Luke looking at the two suns. Um, but yeah, Binary Sunsets at number two. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much spoke about this theme earlier when I did Yoda in the Force. Um, and if you'll allow me to pontificate for a second, um, I, I am uh, obsessed with the idea of the Force in so much mm -hmm. as I am not, uh, you know, I am proudly culturally Jewish. Yeah. But the actual, like, God spirituality aspect of religion I struggle with. I am agnostic at Beth at best and atheistic at worst mm -hmm. on my worst days but there's something i find calming and enticing about the notion of like an unseen force sort of like overseeing any everything helping to create balance in the world between light and dark um and i think when you look back in the tanakh which is the jewish version of the bible the way that god and spirituality explained actually has a lot in common with the force I mean, I think that's true with all religions. I mean, I think George, when he created the Force, it was based on, you know, East, uh, a lot of uh, ancient East Asian religions and stuff. And all religion, uh, you know, in one way or another stems from the same place. Um, so that theme in Binary Sunset or Neoda in the Force, it, it calms me and it makes me feel that balance. That, that's um, a, it's a really good word is calming. It's yeah. a very, very good word. All right. Here we are. Number one. Our, our number one, for the moment, for today anyway, uh, our favorite Star Wars track of all time. Um, Maxwell, what do you got, man? I'm So part of me wants to be like, what do you think it is? Uh, just based on, I'm, I won't do that to you. Um, I don't know if this is going to be a surprise. Uh, I don't know how people feel about this track now. Uh, I will say it's probably in my least favorite uh, live action Star Wars movie. But I also think the song is a masterpiece, and it is across the stars. I had a feeling that was gonna that was gonna um, make it some way. Okay, which okay. is the love theme uh, yep. for Anakin and Padme, yep. and and what I love about this track is it really reminds me of something you would hear in like a black and white nineteen forties melodrama. That's a good comparison. Um, it's it uh, like so much of Star Wars music. It's very grand and over the top. This has beautiful strings work, um, and. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> buy slash love the way the romance is depicted in Attack of the Clones. Uh, but this theme, this song is something I have listened to 
steadily since that movie came out. Um, and I loved the movie when I was when I was younger, and I, you know, it's still Star Wars, and so I yep. still love yep. it. Um, it's just at the bottom of my list. But this track, it is romantic. It's lush. You can like picture the, them frolicking in the greeneries of Naboo. Uh, you could picture them in their picnic. Yeah. Uh, you could picture them yelling about sand being coarse and rough. Um, but yeah, it's just to me, it's like, you know, goes head to head with those iconic great love themes of classic golden age Hollywood. And I, I have to think that's what what John was going for, because let's not forget. And I think when the prequels came out, some people forgot this, like George's intentions with Star Wars was to make film versions of pulp serials uh, like Flash Gordon and, yep. and all that stuff that he loved as a kid. Um, and, and they are meant for kids. Um, but yeah, I, I love Across the Stars. It makes me emotional. It's so beautiful. It's great music to write by. Um, it's my number one. Surprise. Yeah, look, no, I mean, hey, uh, am I surprised? Sure. But I'm I'm not shocked in any, you know, uh, notion that this is number one or even, even on the list in any capacity. I will say that it made my top 15. Um, it was about, the, I think it was like the 13th range. Um, and I, I love I love the track. I think it's a beautiful piece of music. Uh, we've talked about it throughout the show today that a lot of what stands out for uh, um, John Williams' music is that the stuff that is unique and different from what we're typically getting. And yeah. this was very unique. It stands out. It plays to what the entire trilogy of the prequels were, right? We, we love the Obi-Wan stuff. We love the, the Order 66 and like seeing the rise of Vader and stuff. But ultimately, the three movies were about a love story. And this is like this. This is almost can can be considered the main theme of the prequels because it's about Anakin, it's about Padme, it's about their story, and eventually leading into Luke and Leia for for the original trilogy. Yeah, um, it's a great piece of music. It's it's very subtle, and like you said, when I hear it, I can see all those scenes playing out. I can see Padme reaching for his robotic hand. Like I can I can see all that stuff happening at the end of the movie. I can see it happening in the middle of the movie. Um, it really is a really, really good piece of music, and I'm very happy that it did make the list. And it's awesome that's your number one. Like, that's awesome. It, it actually, like, uh, putting this list together was the easiest choice. I was like, well, I know what my number one is, and let's build everything else. So for whatever that says about me, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a mush at heart. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good, man. That is good. Um, all right, number one for me is actually one that was uh, mentioned quite a while ago. And for me, in my all-time favorite movie, The Empire Strikes Back, favorite Star Wars movie, favorite movie in general, um, and my favorite Star Wars scene in general um, and I'm going Yoda and the Force. Ah, um, Yoda and the Force. Uh, there, there's just so much about this scene. Uh, like to me, this is if I were to tell someone that had never seen Star Wars, hey, can I show you one scene to see if you get interested? This is kind of the scene that I would go for. Are you uh, listening, Brandy? There, Brandy, there you go. Watch this scene. Watch this scene, Brandy. Um, no, they, I, I did a full episode on the do or do not. There is no try uh, quote, uh, you know, but last year sometime uh, this track, you know, Yoda talking to Luke and Luke learning all about the force and trying to understand it um, and not really getting what it's supposed to do and what it, what it means to be this, this larger than life person now. And then Yoda stepping in and raising that X-wing from the swamp, yep. doing what Luke thought was impossible um, and really opening his eyes to this entire world that how, that he's a part of. Um, it's just beautiful. Like th that's the best word that I can say is that it's just at absolutely beautiful. Um, it may not be like the most upbeat Star Wars track, but to me, it is what Star Wars is. Like that's just, and I mentioned it very early on, but when I think of music, I think of the scenes and 
having mm-hmm. this be my favorite scene in Star Wars plays a huge, pa- uh, huge uh, aspect into that. Um, but yeah, Yoda and the Force, um, good. It's it's just so beautiful. It's and the fact that we've gotten twelve movies and nothing has topped it yet, like, is just it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I had it on my list. I talked about it before. Um, and yeah, Empire is my favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, it's in my top ten favorite movies ever. Um, I don't know necessarily if this is my favorite scene. I haven't thought about it. That's a fascinating question, but this piece of music. And, and, and now that we both presented our list, is how interesting is it that neither of us actually just put the goddamn Star Wars theme? The main, the main title. Because <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's like, you, you know, know it, it is was... Star Wars, and I feel like it was just sort of one of those things where like, well, I was like, well, Jake's going to have it, so I won't. Yeah, it. it I, I was kind of hoping that it ended up like that. Like, it's almost like a given that, of course, it's going to be. Yeah, like that. I, I sort of feel like it's like a, uh, you know, a handicap in, yeah, in, in exactly. like golf terms. You're just exactly. like, well, I know we don't need to exactly. put this on because, of course. But I, I love the fact that we didn't even talk about it and, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. It, it well, I, I think I think in both end credit tracks I featured from Revenge of the Sith and Phantom Menace, it does sort of play. So it is in there, but that we didn't just use the OG one from Star Wars is like, oh, that's a choice. Yeah. No, look, I this this was a lot of fun. I think the lists are incredible. And what's cool about it is they are so vastly different. Yeah, we we have uh, uh, very minor overlap. Yeah, there's only Um, like one or two tracks. Duel of the Fates. Duel of the Faith and Yoda and the Force and Ray's theme, I think, are the three we both had. Yeah, so out of 12, we only matched up three of them, which is great. That's all. I love it. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's just so much great music in Star Wars. And and the fact that, you know, John Williams, he did his nine movies. Um, Now now we're getting more from other composers. You know, the Ludwig Gorensons of the world, the John Powell's, the Michael G. Kinos, maybe the Hans Zimmer's, maybe... Trent Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross step in there, which would be amazing. Wow. That kind of just blew my mind a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that would sound like. Wow. Imagine, how about this? How about they do the uh, the Acolyte? Ooh. Okay. I mean, certainly we saw that they worked with Disney in, uh, on Soul, which is one of my favorite scores of last year. Um, so... Wow, there, there's a lot of options. Who, in the, who, who would have thought that in the year of our Lord 2021, when we're talking about like the most exciting film composers, we'd be talking yeah. about the lead singer of Nine Inch Nails? <laughs> like, what? But yeah, he's written some of the him and Atticus Kiss Ross like ever since Social Network have just like killed it with their film music. I could I could talk I could really talk film film scores all day. It's like I said, it's just I mean one I of my have favorite vinyl sitting back here. I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. Man. Um, well, Maxwell, I can't thank you enough for joining me today, man. This was an absolute blast uh, talking Star Wars music. Um, I sure, I'm sure we could have gone on for ages talking the amount of tracks on here, and I'm definitely going to have you back to do something, whether it's Star Wars music or something else, man. But I can't thank you enough for presenting the topic and introducing me to the whiskey as well, which is a big one. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, it's no secret that over the past year I've fallen in love with streaming and doing YouTube shows, and so it never really feels like work for me, but this especially didn't feel like work this just felt like hanging out and talking star wars and whiskey which again two of my favorite things thank you so much for having me this was a blast like you said um so much fun and yeah i I love working with you and i you know i think there's a lot of exciting stuff we can do uh in the future absolutely well before we get out of here man uh if if anybody watching who may not know you where can they find you online yeah uh you can find me on twitter and letterboxd at cinemaxwell instagram cinemaxwell inc uh i am uh basically the number two guy over at the pj campbell network 
uh, a YouTube network where we pretty much have different shows on every night of the week. Uh, we do movie watch alongs. We talk about uh, music, Broadway, uh, Sunday nights we do the unwind, which is the show about whatever, where we just sit and shoot the shit. Um, and, uh, perhaps most excitingly, uh, I'm going to be competing in the first class league of the movie trivia Schmodown, the new developmental league that starts on Twitch this Tuesday. I'm not in the first match, uh, but I will be watching to start scoping out the competition. Uh, hugely excited to be a part of that and maybe come on POV and, and smack talk some competitors, do a little interview there. I don't know what you guys have planned, but I'm available. Absolutely. I mean, you you already started the shit talking last night, so it's look. It's... Uh, until <laughs> until told otherwise, I intend to go full heel. I love it. I love it. Well, I can't wait to see it. And, and again, thank you so much for joining me today, man. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking Star Wars officially with you and drinking some whiskey, uh, guys. For me, at Qui Gon Jake on all socials, a certain point of view, uh, multiple times a week. Apocalypse movies here twice uh, or every two weeks. I'm doing Whiskey Jedi as well. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. And, of course, check out Maxwell and all his stuff as well. He's doing some great stuff. Um, and thank you again for the for the shirt and, and joining yeah. me as well today. And everyone watching, uh, love you guys. Thank you so much for watching me live. Really, really appreciate it. All you guys watching on the replay as well. Um, and until next time, see you guys later. And may the Force be with you.